On today's episode of Three Wide in the Middle, me and Keith kick things off with our thoughts on inverts. Everybody loved them after the million. Now everybody hates them after the King's Royal. What the hell is up with that? So we dive into that and we've got our favorite portion of the show, Hit or Miss, where we dive into the return of the road course ringer at the Indio Full Road Course. Indy Road Course? Yes, that's where they're racing, the Indy Road Course. I should have said that better. Um, plus, will Chase Elliott actually make the playoffs? I don't know. And is Martin Truex one of the favorites to make the Final Four in the NASCAR playoffs? After that, we dive into our NASCAR Pick'em, where it only takes us a few minutes to make our selections for Pocono. And then we get into our Dirt Track recap, where there's huge news in the sprint car racing world as two drivers are getting a shot in the Clawson Marshall number seven of Tyler Courtney's as he is out with a pretty bad injury following Eldora plus some big drivers not making the feature in the Kings Royal and it is the kickoff of me and Keith's favorite week of the year which we believe should be a national holiday. So all of that and more on today's episode of Three Wide in the Middle. Today's episode is brought to you by Produxa. Look, you guys, when it comes to protecting and adding a mirror-like shine to your surfaces, you pretty much have two options. You can go with one of those low, you know, quality products out there. Uh, you know, do the old school, like my parents used to do, use the old dish soap to wash your car, or you can go with Produxa. You guys, I've personally use this stuff and it works incredible man whether it's their ceramic coating their wash their tire shine and it not only looks great but it's super easy to use i mean my 10 year old son was helping me use this stuff and we used it on my daughter's car and the car literally looked new and my daughter's 17 so you can imagine that the car did not look new before we washed it so if you want to actually give your car a mirror-like shine while in the process protecting it head over to produxa.com or the link down in the description below and check out their full line of products today i can promise you you will love them what is up everybody thomas brandon here and with me as always keith bradley welcome to three wide in the middle and we got a ton of stuff to talk about in this week's podcast keith how's it going how was your weekend man uh, i was pretty good nice right pretty on good. how was your weekend uh it was hot and uh freaking miserable it's still hot here um yeah it was exhausting nothing's changed on my front i i'm i'm exhausted i'm working i was up till 11 30 midnight last night working and i woke up at five o'clock this morning that's been my life this year and that's just whatever so i'm tired as always exhausted as always sore and uh yeah here to do it again so like i said before um this a couple nights ago on one of the live on one of my live streams uh it's I'm not complaining. It's a good problem to have. It could be way, way worse. So it just uh it just sucks when I'm outside working and it's 115 degrees outside and I could literally feel the bottoms of my shoes like melting into the asphalt. <laughs> that yeah, I'm does good suck. there. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> 
Yeah, we've had this massive heat wave coming through, man, and it's just it's just not stopping. Um, and for us, understand how we get heat, right? Like California gets hot. It's you know Northern California where I'm at. Um, it gets hot. We've always had hot summers, uh, but for us, it gets really miserable when it is you know, 112 during the day time. And then when it's three o'clock in the morning, it's still 97 degrees outside and it's humid, right? Like that's where it really hurts us. Like, cause we're not used to that. Okay. We're not used to that. Um, even though I've been in way worse humidity, right back when I was in North Carolina or, you know, different places or, you know, when we were racing, um, I don't experience that on a daily basis. So we're not used to that. So when it comes, it, dude, it's, I mean, as you know, it's freaking miserable. But for us, it's just we're so not accustomed to it. It's like being slapped in the face, man. I, uh, I hate it. So yeah, it'll it'll suck the life out of you. It really sure. does. Yeah, it really does. You know, yesterday uh, I uh, yesterday it was a hundred and a hundred and ten, and I literally spent the whole day in direct. So I was literally outside, direct sunlight, no shade pulling shattered windshields and and back glasses out of cars and they were cars that had been sitting in the sun all day long and you you open the door and you sit inside because you know i got to unhook all the stuff from the inside because you know of course now windshields it's not like it used to be where it used to be a mirror right now you've got like this computer system that hangs on the inside of a windshield because it's got lane departure and crash protection and, and automatic stopping and heated wiper park and all these different things. And so you got, you know, that's all electronics and stuff that we have to unhook. And I don't know if you, you know, when your car's been out in the sun for a few hours on a hot day and you get into it, right? That initial heat, you're just like, oh my God. And then if you have air conditioning, you turn it on and, you know, whew, man, can't wait for this to kick in. Uh, we don't have that luxury. We just have to sit out there and sweat in the sauna. And that's what I was doing yesterday. And I was I was so hot. And this car had so much broken glass that the glass was sticking to me. Um, and when I would get out of the car, I shimmered. Like, <laughs> I like sparkled because I had so much like, uh, it's almost like dust. It almost, it's, but it's how it almost looks is like dust. It's like glass dust. Um, when a windshield shatters, you know that windshields don't shatter like a side glass does or a back glass, right? Like those actually shatter into a bunch of little pieces. Well, believe it or not, those little pieces are much easier to deal with. They're bigger chunks, even though they're, they're small, they're small pieces, but they're bigger chunks and they're much easier to clean. Um, and the whole glass just, just falls right out. A windshield is designed not to do that, okay? A windshield is two pieces of glass, and there's this filament, this fiber that they put in between it that when they press it together and heat it up, it turns clear so you can see through it. But there's actually this mesh material. I don't know what the hell it is, but that, that's what goes in between a windshield. That's what makes it when you get a crack in your windshield. That's what holds the windshield together. That's why it doesn't do that. A lot of people don't realize the windshield of a car, especially nowadays, is part of the, the structural integrity of your car. 
if you flip over part of the thing that holds your 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 roof up from caving in on your head is your windshield believe it or not it it has that much integrity to the the structure of the car of the vehicle well when those things when somebody takes a baseball bat to your windshield right and smashes it in the windshield stays in but it 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 just cracks and all the little it's like I said, it's almost like dust falls inside. You get all these little slivers and shards and they get everywhere and you'll vacuum it up and you, it's still there, right? You think you've gotten it all and it's still there. And like I said, I would go in there and I'm sweating and I'm reaching and doing something next thing. I know I pull back my arm and I, I'm like sparkling. I look like that one. Uh, I can't remember what her name was in the X-Men comics, but she like could turn her body into diamonds. Like that's what I looked like. It was like, what the hell's going on? So yeah, interesting day yesterday. I know I've always got it, fucking glass stories to talk about. <laughs> it's, it's such, it's so crazy. The stuff that, that I see every day with people's cars, it's just nuts. It's, uh, it's wild. Yeah. And yesterday we had, we had, two different cars that all that the both of them had their glass shattered out in multiple spots one guy's car this was like a brand new ford mustang 5.0 gt like i mean this is a, a very it was a very nice car very nice car and then it was like somebody took a baseball bat to it and shattered out the windshield shattered out the back glass shattered out the quarter glasses i mean just beat it and we had another one with the windshield that looked the same. It was just like, what? Someone going around smashing windshields with, with the Louisville Slugger? What, what's going on? So, anyways, yeah. All kinds of fun. But I got to cover a topic in the open, and it's more along the mindset of people as opposed to what just the topic is because the topic is inverts. And after this last weekend's four days at Eldora, we literally had in like a 36 hour time frame people going from inverts are awesome we need inverts all the time to inverts suck they should be running things straight up and the question is well what is the reasoning for this what caused the sudden change of heart in the masses during this you know four day period well if you remember the eldora million had a very interesting format and me and keith i mean keith i'm sure you still agree that was one of the the coolest formats ever the way that they did it the every lap matters um you could basically change the heat you could invert you could do whatever you wanted because you were earning points based on where you had qualified, where you had ran before, where you had moved to, right? You know, you weren't getting quote unquote passing points, but every position you gained gave you a big jump in points. It wasn't like the Knoxville Nationals where it was a two point increase. You're looking at a four point increase. So it made for really good racing. The track was obviously very racy. There was multiple grooves essentially from like the first heat race. You, you saw passes being made, drivers moving up. And it set the stage for what was an awesome night number two and just a great race. I mean, it just the whole event was amazing. And the inverts had a lot to do with that on the preliminary night. Fast forward to Saturday night, we get inverts once again for the Kings Royal and now everybody hates it. You've got the top qualifiers not even making the feature. Uh, you know, Brad Sweet, 
Darren Pittman, you know, a lot of these guys who not only did they, um, you know, run well in the Eldora Million, you know, in the case of like a Brad Sweet, like he won one of the preliminary nights, right? Brian Brown also, right? Very, very good. Missed the feature. Logan Schuhart, the man who won the Eldora Million, missed the feature for the King's Royal. Okay, and keep in mind, Shuhart, it's not like he qualified 50th. The dude qualified third. Brad Sweet qualified fifth. Jacob Allen qualified sixth and missed the feature. Brian Brown qualified 11th. Pittman 12th. So there was this really big uproar about these guys missing the feature, and a lot of it had to do with being punished by the invert. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up, like I said, was because the, the sudden change of heart. Now, first, we got to cover the, consi the conspiracy theory that is out there, that which is David Gravel hit the invert perfectly. One of the most prolific qualifiers of all time was able to land right in the six car spot that was being inverted so he could start on the pole of his heat race. Um, for anybody who actually watched that race, it's very easy to sit there and say that Gravel did that on purpose and he sandbagged. And you know what? If he did, then he's even a better qualifier than, you know, than we think he is. Because understand that the difference between, you know, hitting the invert and missing the invert was, it, it's not even a, it's not even like a couple tenths. It was like a few hundredths of a second. Okay. From, I think the invert was what, 31, was it 31 to 36? I think so, Keith, something like that. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, you're talking about 0.224 seconds, right? Or a 13.015 at, well, let's see, a 13.058, excuse me was 30th and 37th was a 13.111 that is a couple hundredths of a second i don't care who it is right I, no driver out there unless they are literally some type of scientific experiment that we don't know of, right elon musk has put his you know neural link in them without us without without telling us like no driver is going to be able to shave that off knowingly you just can't do it. You could try and hope that you you get it, right? But to say that that he knew and was under control and like he nailed intentionally, I think that's a little ridiculous. He might have tried. He might have said, "I'm gonna drag some brake. I know I'm usually fast. I know I'm gonna be, you know, up towards the front." Yes, he was very fast in hot laps. But his lap time, if you look at what he did in practice and what he did in qualifying, he was only one hundredth of a second off. David Gravel was second in hot laps. Okay, he turned a 13.064 in hot laps. He turned a 13.074 in qualifying. So it was the same, basically the same speed, but in qualifying, he was 33rd, right? So, I, you know, Abreu, who 
only turned a 13-0 in hot laps. He was second quick with the 12-8. So, I mean, did the track get faster? I, I don't know. I You know what I mean? I don't know. All I know is, is that for us to say that, you know, he hit it intentionally and it worked, I, if he did, hats off, okay? Because to me, if there's going to be an invert and it's announced before and you can hit it, congratulations. I don't personally like that. I don't want to think that drivers are out there um, trying to go slow and qualifying to hit an invert. And this is my issue with inverts. Now, keep in mind, let me preface this by saying, I actually love inverts. I think inverts are amazing. Me and Keith were talking about this before we started the show. One of the things I like about USAC, you know, sprint cars and midgets and stuff like that is the fact that they will do inverts and do it, you know, the sprint cars, what, Keith, don't they invert like everything? Like they invert like heat races, features. I mean, it's like everything's inverted. Yeah, um, they they invert after qualifying mm -hmm. for the heat races. And then after that, I can't remember if it's inverted again. I want to say it is, but I could be totally wrong. But I, I almost want to say it is. And and hey, look, they, they put on impressive races. Now, granted, yeah, we're comparing non-wing sprint cars to wing sprint cars. Totally different type of car. Mm-hmm. But I think inverts are great, especially for the big crown jewel races. Yes, I do too. And the way that I think they are great is when we have a multiple night event. And this is what made the million so cool. I've seen some people say, oh, well, it was too much. They did too many inverts. Now, these people were praising the inverts before the King's Royal, after the King's Royal. Now they're going back retroactively and saying that the inverts sucked in the million. That is a stupid argument. People who do that, shut up. Okay, at least if you're going to make an argument, at least stand on your principles or develop some. Don't be so wishy-washy that you're going to literally just go with the flavor of the day and change what you had stated merely 48 hours previously. Because that's, that's dumb, okay? You have no leg to stand on. And for me personally, you have zero, I have zero respect for you if you're going to just change however you feel, whenever you feel. That's, that's just idiotic, okay? Like I tell my son, everything you say and do matters. You got to have some kind of, you know, grounds. And if you're just going to come out and be like, oh, that was great. The million was awesome. I love the format. Inverts are awesome. And then after the Kings Road, like inverts suck. They shouldn't have done it. That thing with the million, the, the wheel, it was stupid. They, they, it's like, what happened? Like what you changed your mind that quickly. So those people who are saying that just shut up. Okay. I got, I, I, I don't want to hear from you. I don't just be quiet. My thing with inverts is, is that you cannot punish speed when it comes to the final results. So what do I mean by that? The Dora Million, like we talked about, was awesome. They did inverts the first night. Every lap mattered. You earned points, and it set you up for the final night of the Eldora Million, which was how you were seated in the heat races. And then after that, everything was essentially right, just straightforward. Now, you could... Keep in mind, based on your heat race finish, you did pill draw for where you started, and it was a six-spot block, right? Essentially three rows. But I don't have an issue with that, just because if you started fifth, right? So, for example, Logan Schuhart got number one. After the race that Logan Schuhart had, does anybody think if Logan Schuhart started fifth that he would not have been up there competing for the win? Yes, he got the number one, but 
he had shown incredible speed. And Logan Schuhart is fast at Eldora. Okay, so there's nothing that makes me think if Eld if he had gotten the six, that we would have been like, oh well, Schuhart, you know, he he got screwed, right? Because yes, clean air does matter, and that is one thing that you have to consider with the wing sprint cars is the clean air, dirty air aspect of it. But Schuhart was so fast, I think he could have won the race starting anywhere in the top six. He put himself in the right position, he got it, and there you go. Okay, when it comes to the final night of the King's Royal, now you're qualifying and now you're punishing speed. So you're fast in qualifying. You're now being punished. And that I do have a problem with. You want to do it on the night before the King's Royal and that helps you determine something on the final night of the King's Royal, right? The actual King's Royal event. I'm okay with that, okay? But on the final night, which is going to determine the actual who makes the feature or where you're going to start, that's where I don't like the inverts, okay? Because as I said, once again, it punishes speed. And racing, last I checked, is all about who's the fastest. So that's my point with the inverts. Another thing, and I know people are going to say, well, Tommy, you guys just talked about it. USAC inverts like everything. Yes, they do. And guess what? In a USAC sprint car, I can make up for a shortage of speed with racecraft because i don't have to worry about things like dirty air okay yes the non-wing sprint cars they do obviously there is some turbulence and you can feel some air and stuff like that because when you have cars going that fast that big right even just with the paneling and the body parts and stuff like that you're going to have some disturbance of air but it's not like the wing sprint cars right you're not going to hear justin grant get out of this car and go man brady bacon's you know wake that he was kicking up just was screwing me over no if if he's faster than than him if grant's faster than bacon he'll figure out a way around him right he can throw some dive bomb from the flag stand and he'll be able to get by so for that go right ahead because those guys can race their way up to the front it's not gonna make as big of a difference with the wing sprint car air is so important now um, in a, you know, in a sense, just like I was, me and Keith were talking before when the last couple of years that I was doing this stuff where I was actually setting these things up, we never considered the ramifications of dirty air. That wasn't a thought. We didn't even think about that. We treated it like every car was in it was in a vacuum, meaning that like, we just thought like magically the air around our car was just like our air like that that's how you thought about it you didn't think of like oh there's going to be 10 cars in front of us all disturbing the air that's going to be hitting our car our nose wing and then top we didn't think like that it wasn't until like towards the end of my you know time as a sprint car mechanic where we even started hearing about world of outlaw teams putting cars in wind tunnels right like that was becoming a thing so when you have a car like they are now, where the air is so important. I don't like the fact that you punish speed because then what are we qualifying for except to say, hey, maybe you can get lucky and hit the invert. All right, Keith, it is time for our favorite portion of the show, hit or miss. Uh, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, we got a bunch of stuff to cover today. And we are going to kick things off with 
New Hampshire's winner, Martin Truex Jr. So after Martin Truex Jr.'s dominant win at New Hampshire, he shows that he is one of the favorites to make the final four at Phoenix. Hit or miss the mark? Um, you know, I've I've been saying that he wouldn't, that he needs to be more consistent, and I think it hits the mark. He's getting hot at the right time, and we all know how Martin Truex Jr. is. Once when he gets hot, he's hot for a while. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with uh, it definitely hits the mark. Yeah, you know, his um, – one thing I've noticed about Martin Truex Jr. Uh, when he wins is that it's usually freaking boring. You can almost always uh, know when, a, when it's a Truex victory because, like – if you ever notice that he leads, like it's like always like 75% of the laps, like tr you don't see a lot of Martin Truex Jr. wins where it's like, Hey, Truex won the race and there was 300 laps and he only led the last 12. Usually it's like it was this last weekend. It was like, Hey, there's 301 laps and Truex led 250 of them. Like it's usually dominant. And that's how he's looked this year in the races that he's won. He is Finally gotten stuff figured out with this car. Last year, for all their struggles they had, they have definitely turned it around. Uh, he's showing that he's still very, very much at the top of his game. And I'm I'm right there. I think he is showing right now at this point, if they can maintain this, that he is one of the, the favorites to make the Final Four. And with the playoff points that he is amassing in terms of the, um, you know, the standings, the with the bonus points and stuff like that, you know, it, he is, he's on top of the point standings for both regular season and the projected playoffs right now. You know, he's ahead of William Byron and he's got three wins on the season. He has been very, very consistent, especially over the last, you know, couple months of the season. And yeah, I, I, uh, I would definitely be on the lookout for him because they are, looking extremely strong right now yeah and i definitely wouldn't sleep on him either no mm -mm. no not one bit so next up nascar driver silly season in full effect as justin haley word has come out that he is going to be going to rick ware racing so keith justin haley is making a massive mistake leaving colleague or Rick Rare Racing, hit or miss the mark? Ah, uh, hits the mark over and over <laughs> and over and over again. Because, and, and hear me out, why would you want to leave a team where an owner started a cup program to build around you? As in Justin Haley. Matt Colleague built that team around Justin, the cup team, and... They, they formed the alliance with Richard Childress. They're slowly getting better. I'm sure they're not where they want to be, right? But mm -hmm. they're, they're better than Rick Ware. I feel like he just took 10 steps back. Why would you go to one of the worst teams in the Cup Series? Why? I just can't, can't fathom that idea. That'd be like Kevin Harvick leaving Stuart Haas to go to... Uh, live fast it just <laughs> it don't make sense it really don't and i there's got to be something going on other than just going to rick ware whether it's a massive upgrade that rick ware is making a bigger 
alliance with a bigger team, who knows? We'll have to sit back and see. I think he just made a major mistake. Out of the, the manufacturers, Ford would be the least appealing to me to go to, right? Unless they've got some kind of plans behind the scenes that we don't know about in terms of how to improve. Because I'm telling you right now, if you take, we talked about it before, if you take Harvick, Logano, and Blaney out like Ford's done, like they, they're, they're horrible, right? They're just not competitive. Um, I think it's more of a testament to those three drivers as opposed to Ford, right? Where we could take the top three drivers out of, out of uh, Chevy. We could even take the top three drivers away from Toyota. Think about that. And there's not that many Toyota drivers to begin with, and they would still be incredible. So, you know, what, what they've got going on in terms of future plans and what does this mean? Did, you know, Rick Ware lure Justin Haley away or did Colleague drop the ball? I don't know until more details comes out and comes out. I don't know, but I'm with you, man. I was very shocked by this. You know, this was, um, this was essentially, you know, this team was started essentially, you know, Justin Haley and Haley's only 24 years old. He's still got a lot of racing left, but it's like, it's all, it, it reminds me kind of, of, um, Corey LaJoy and Spire, right? Like they essentially, they've grown together and we've seen them get better every year. And Corey LaJoy, as much as he would love to have one of those top seats, he also, you can tell when he talks, he has a, a, a lot of ties to Spire Motorsports because they've kind of grown up together, right? They've built this thing together. And so for Haley to be leaving colleague like that, it's really interesting. I don't so, know what what would cause that. What concerns me with it is the RFK Alliance. They started last year or the year before, and they've not done nothing since then. No, they haven't. They so, haven't. But on the other hand, and this is where I think this will benefit Rick Ware more than it'll benefit Justin Haley. Let's be honest, this will be the best driver that stepped in to one of the Rick Ware cars. I'm not even going to count Ryan Newman because I think he's washed. He was washed last year or the year before last. I'm not even going to put him in the fold with Rick Ware. Yeah. This is an upgrade to a point. Now it's just we're we're gonna have to sit back and see how how it works. I just I'm very confused because like you said, you you take them top guys out of Ford, the Harvick, Blaney, and Logano, and what's Ford have? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Nothing exactly. Exactly. So. so we'll have to see. Um, you know, like I said, th there hasn't been a whole lot that has come out. Uh, colleague still from last I checked, which was a little while ago, they still haven't really made a statement on this. So. It'll be uh it'll be interesting to see what they have to say about this and why Haley is leaving, right? Like I said, we don't know if Justin Haley's leaving them or you know, colleague dropped the ball or what. So it'll be interesting to see uh what comes out. All right. Next up, big bombshell news dropped by within the last twenty four hours as SVG Shane Van Gisbergen will make his second NASCAR Cup start at the Indy Road Course. And, Keith, he will score another top five hit or miss the mark. 
I think it hits the mark. I really do. Um, I think this car plays into SVG's hands, especially at these road courses. I mean, they're very, very similar to the V8 supercars. The, the cars are damn near identical, minus maybe a couple things. Yeah, um, shifting on the opposite side and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, maybe this is another tryout for that six, that 31 car over at Colleague. Who knows? But, yeah. Uh, I'd, well, I'd say he might be the favorite to win the damn thing. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say that. Well, I, I will say this. Um, this is the race. This is a race that I that I wanted. I want to see. And we we talked about this after he won the Chicago Street Course, right? If there was ever, obviously, obviously the dude is good. Make no mistake about it. The dude is phenomenal. But we talked about it with that race in particular there's very there's a very very big difference between a street course and a you know an actual road course right a purpose-built road course they're two very different things and svg had a lot of experience on street courses most of these nascar cup guys did not um this was a completely different track right um so if you are looking at Right, the favorite of hey, who's gonna figure out this street course the fastest? Right, you will obviously the guy who runs them is gonna have an edge on that. So we talked about it after his win in Chicago that we would like to see him against the the Cup guys on a track that they've done before that they actually have some experience at, and you know see if the the tables can turn. Um, and we're gonna get that now, and I'm really looking forward to it because this is going to, this is a very different race. We all remember the carnage that is turn one at the Indy road course. Um, in fact, it's one of the biggest, you know, luster clucks we've ever seen, <laughs> you know, where they're five wide and running into each other and just, it's just carnage going into turn one. So this is going to be a very different race. Now he could put it on the pole and drive away from everybody. That is 100% possible. And if he does, right, if he does come out and have another phenomenal race where he runs up front or in the top three, top five, the whole race, um, I it's going to be, it's just, it's going to be incredible to see. And I think you're going to see even more of these guys coming over. Um, what's his name? Uh, Kostecki? Another V8 supercar driver is also running in it. You've got Kobayashi who's going to be running in. Jensen Button's running in that race too. I mean, the Indy road course is literally shaping up to be, you know, like what IROC always wanted to have, right? Where you've literally got the champions of champions from all over the world coming and racing this race. So it's going to be really, really interesting. I I uh, normally don't look forward to the Indy road course. I'm actually excited about it this this year just because of who's racing in it. Yeah, I think I think this definitely brings another an excitement level to it. Um, I just I think these V8 supercar guys are going to benefit. I really do. I don't think it's going to take them long to get acclimated to the racetrack. Um, I mean, the grip levels are going to be very very different. Yeah, compared to a street course, um, but I, I don't think it's going to take them long to to figure it out. No, no. I'm with you. I think that we're going to see SVG for surge for sure up running in the top 10 at minimum. So 
All right, our fourth and final hit or miss of the day. Once again, Chase Elliott has a very underwhelming day in New Hampshire, and he will not score a win and will miss the playoffs this year. Hit or miss the mark. I already know what your answer is, but... <laughs> I, I They're so... It, it hits the mark for me, for one. And, and this ain't a knock to Chase Elliott or his fan base that can go eat a big one but the the nine the nine the 48 are very inconsistent and, and it's weird because it's at places that you would think chase elliott would be running towards the front and it just ain't happening um will they figure it out i'm sure um he's got plenty of other opportunities to win they, they got some strong tracks coming up i just I don't see it happening. I really don't. Not with, not with the way Martin Truex Jr. is running right now. And now you. Well, and also his teammates Byron and Larson. Oh yeah, I mean, Byron's killing it. Larson's killing it. And then you throw in the Indy Road Course where you think he'll have a shot to win. And then SVG's like, oh, I'm I'm going to show up and probably win. It it's the the hourglass has almost ran out and. I don't see him making it. I really don't. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, I've 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 batted this back and forth so many times, and there something's off with that car this this season. Now, obviously, he had the injury, he had the suspension, right? Um, you know, there's been a lot that has gone against that team this season. And him and the 48 are both very inconsistent. I mean, remember Alex Bowman was leading points, and it actually wasn't that long ago, if you look at it. Um, and Larson and Byron, you know, who also suffered massive penalties, are up towards the front in the points, right? Byron's second in points right now. Um, you know, both him and Larson are running up front on a consistent basis. Now, there are some tracks coming up that, Elliott has done very well at. You can make the argument that he should have won Watkins Glen last year. He got bumped by his teammate, which to me was just racing. Uh, he's also won at Pocono, which is where they're going, what, this weekend? Or yeah. is it this weekend? Yeah, this weekend. So, you know, he's got some tracks that he can win at. Uh, I do think we will see them running up front again. The question is, will they be up there competing for wins before the conclusion of Daytona. That's, you know, here in a few, we've only got about five weeks, five races, six races left. There's not a lot before the playoffs. So they're up against the clock, man. They're, I, they're not going to point their way in. They've got it. They've got to get a win. They've got to get a win. And yeah. I just don't know if we're going to see them do that. I mean, obviously, it's still possible they can put it all together for a race because we've seen that team before be just dominant at tracks. Um, but they better do it fast because time is running out. Well, and and what sucks is they're getting into the part of the schedule where it's going to start falling into the Toyota strength like Pocono, mm -hmm. Richmond. Um, Michigan, I'm going to throw up as a wild card. Um the only two races that I could realistically see him having a chance to win is Indy Road Course and Watkins Glen. And but even then, everybody claims that he's this 
great road course racer, which he is, but there's others that have stepped up and has been better. Tyler Reddick comes to mind. Um, yeah. Hell, Denny dude, Hamlin I, was phenomenal at Chicago yeah. before the rain came. Absolutely. And I think their back's against the wall, and they don't know which way to go. Yeah. I'm with you, man. It's a tough spot to be in. And when you are, you know, pressure is something that can be very hard and difficult to deal with. And some people and some groups or some teams can handle it better than others. That's one thing you can never predict is desperation, right? So when you're going into the last race of this of the regular season at Daytona, if you are Chase Elliott or the nine team, right? And you don't have a win yet and you're on the outside looking in, your level of desperation and what you're willing to do is going to be different than the 11 car or the five car or, you know, whoever. Take your pick of the guys in the playoffs. And it's one of those things that can propel you or it can destroy you. And these guys are going to have their moment this next, you know, month and a half to prove themselves under pressure because they're in it. They are 100% in it. And it's going to be interesting to see if that nine car uh, can get itself into the playoffs because right now it's looking pretty grim. All right, so that's going to do it for Hit or Miss. But after the break, we are going to be back with our NASCAR pick'em and then our Dirt Track recap. So stick around. Today's episode is brought to you by Produxa. Look, you guys, when it comes to protecting and adding a mirror-like shine to your surfaces, you pretty much have two options. You can go with one of those low, you know, quality products out there. Uh, you know, do the old school, like my parents used to do, use the old dish soap to wash your car or you can go with Produxa. You guys, I've personally used this stuff and it works incredible, man. Whether it's their ceramic coating, their wash, their tire shine, and it not only looks great, but it's super easy to use. I mean, my 10-year-old son was helping me use this stuff and we used it on my daughter's car and the car literally looked new. And my daughter's 17, so you can imagine that the car did not look new before we washed it. So if you want to actually give your car a mirror-like shine while in the process protecting it, head over to Produxa.com or the link down in the description below and check out their full line of products today. I can promise you, you will love them. All right, it is now time for our NASCAR Pick'em. Um, Keith, do you remember who you had last week? Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick. Um, I should have probably done this before. I did not see. Where did Tyler Reddick finish? I did not even see. He finished sixth. That's right. I had freaking Christopher Bell. Damn you, Seabell. Because he did not, did not, Tyler Reddick. <clears throat> it was looking good, right? You know, starting on the pole, thought we had a shot. 
but we finished 29th. <laughs> so that gives you the win as you increase your lead even more. So we've got Pocono this week. Who are you taking? Um, gonna hang one. That is a good one. Um, I know we can all make the jokes about the tape and everything. Last year, I don't think that is why they won the race. I really don't. If you look at, if you look at the actual numbers, like what that, that what those what that did in terms of downforce improvement, it was like two whatever they call it two points two bips or so i mean it was the it it's almost immeasurable it's it, or not it, you can't even measure it it's so small so we've talked about it in the previous segment there's tracks that these toyotas are just awesome at um you know the these bigger faster tracks they seem it's it's so weird because it's like the the shortest tracks and then the biggest tracks <laughs> Toyotas do really well. It's kind of odd. So, I, 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 uh, pains me to say it, but I, I think you're on to something with Denny Hamlin because Hamlin has definitely looked good. So, just please don't put the tape on the nose. That's all I ask. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think he will. I don't think he will. I don't know who I'm going to pick, though. Um, Man. Oh, man. Um, you know what? I am going to pick This is such a shot. This is such a desperation play. Have I already picked him? Kyle Busch is a favorite. If you need help. Yeah, I've already had Kyle Busch though. I'm actually going to pick Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And I have not picked him yet. I don't think. No, I have not. Nope. Yeah, I'm going to pick Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, I know this isn't a restrictor plate track, but drafting does play a role here. He does seem to do well at these bigger tracks like this. So I, uh, I like yeah, it. When I go I to Stenhouse, hopefully he can come through and and beat Hamlin. Although I'm not not counting on that. So, anyways, that's our NASCAR pick. I'm moving on to the dirt track recap, and uh, man. Dirt racing has been incredible. So obviously, last weekend or last week, we did our show after the million. We did the recap of that, our preview of the Kings Royal. And of course, neither of us picked Donnie Schatz, who ended up winning the Kings Royal and dominated. Um, I, me and Keith were talking about this before the show, and I, I said this... Shots looked like the 10-time champion Donnie Shots. Uh that was a dominating performance. Um it's so funny that the stuff that you hear coming out 
after the race. People, oh, well, it rained and the track was fast and heavy. Who cares? Who cares? He did what he had to do. He started up front and he put it on them. Period. It does not matter. This stuff where when your driver doesn't win, you got to come up with freaking excuses is ridiculous, man. Shut up. Donnie Shots got it done. I don't care if the track was tacky, just slick, bumpy, rough, whatever. He just kicked their ass. That's all there is to it. And won his, what was that, his sixth King's Royal? I mean, just, it's insane. It's absolutely he, insane. He delivered mm. one of them uh, old-fashioned ass whippings we yes. like to call it. Yes, man, that was an old-school beatdown. He lapped all the way up to, to ninth. 10th and was on the heels of Casey Kane to putting him a lap down to finish ninth. Yeah. Let all 40 laps. I mean, and keep in mind, they have a fuel stop. Yeah. And, and with the open red, you would have thought, man, it, it's going to bunch them up closer. Guys are going to make some, some minor changes. Now, granted, they couldn't change a whole lot. Yeah. Um, but dude, he wasn't even on my radar to, to win the damn thing. No. And he came on and was like, keep counting me. He yep. count me out of everything, and he delivered an old-fashioned beatdown, and he proved why he is one of the goats of wing racing. Yeah, yeah, he did. He um he looked phenomenal, and if that was the Donnie shots that we got every week, he would no doubt be a uh, contender for the championship. Um, speaking of the championship, uh, right now. In the NOS Energy Drink World of Outlaws points, you've got David Gravel leading the points. He's six points ahead of Brad Sweet, who had a very rough King's Royal, as we talked about in the open. He did not even make the feature. Him and Logan Shuhart, along with Jacob Allen, they all missed the feature for the King's Royal. Um, David Gravel actually got the win last night at BAPS. He got, that was his ninth win on the season. Passed Sweet with, I want to say, about 10 laps, 12 laps to go, but it was around halfway. Um, Sweet was gone, too, and was looking really good, and Gravel just tracked him down and passed him. Uh, Sweet fought back, got the lead, and then Gravel got back around him and pretty much just drove away with it. So, got his ninth win on the season, gives himself a six-point lead over Brad Sweet. Carson Macedo is 32 points behind. So, the top three battling for the champion, and that's who it's going to come down to. Uh, Shuhart's in fourth. He's 216 behind. The top three would have to have some catastrophic failures over the next month to give um, you know somebody outside that top three a shot at the championship. Uh, Keith, did you watch the race at BAPS last night? Um, no, unfortunately, I <clears throat> do not have um, dirt vision. But... Yeah, it was a pretty good race. Um, you know, the first time back there in what was it 30 years i think they said like something astronomical so yeah hats off to gravel on that win um also last night at utica rome uh ross chastain ran a big block modified um ended up finishing i think he was 24th or 25th um but overall you know it was cool to see him out there um, he actually looked good uh, in the car. I mean, he looked like he knew what he was doing. So that was really cool to see. A um, couple, what was it, three nights ago, 
was it three nights ago? Lernerville Don Martin Memorial Silver Cup with the All-Stars. Uh, once again, that was an incredible race. Why the Outlaws don't go there, I just find maddening. I, I cannot believe the Outlaws don't go to Lernerville anymore. Um, I don't understand it. But All-Star race was really good. Keith, did you see the All-Star race? I've seen the finish, and holy cow, that that was probably some of the best racing on the final. What was it? Ten laps. Yeah. Ten laps. Yeah. Um, Lernerville is so awesome. I, I don't it is. Why why the outlaws don't go there? I'd love for the USAC non-wing cars to go there, or even the yeah. midget. Yeah. Lernerville just great. Their their track rules, as far as videoing, kind of ridiculous. Yes. But nor here nor there. Still yep. a great facility. Yep. Yep. So Larson got by Buddy Kofoid. Um poor Buddy Kofoid. How many big wins has he come close to this season? <laughs> uh but Larson got by him, got the win. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a really good race. Lernerville is one of those tracks. It's I, I've always liked it. It's a very unique track. Um, and it does usually put on some pretty good racing. Speaking of the All-Stars, big news out of the Clawson Marshall Racing Camp as Sunshine, Tyler Courtney, um, he, his wreck at Eldora uh, last weekend, he like broke or fractured some vertebra in his back, I believe is the exact diagnosis. Um, he's going to be out a while. Uh, and it sounds like there's actually a chance he might not be, might not be back at all this season, which does suck for sunshine on the flip side. It is giving two drivers, one of them, Anthony Macri, who's going to be running the all-star races. And the other is Corey day, who is going to be racing the high limit races in that car um keith we've talked about Corey day the last few weeks uh he's obviously really big out here in california um he's kind of been dubbed the next big thing um he's only 16 years old and he is getting an incredible opportunity to run i i mean you can make the argument I would I would say right now that the CMR ride is an outlaw level ride. I mean that is a to me if they if they wanted to run the outlaws I think very much so that that car is capable of being top 5 in the outlaw points um which is really saying something. And Corey Day is going to get the opportunity to run that car in the high limit races and I cannot wait to see what this kid can do. I completely agree with that statement. Um, I think this is going to be one of Corey Day's best opportunities in a wing car outside of the car that he's in now because he's mm -hmm. in a great car now. He is. And him and Anthony Macri have an opportunity to prove a major point to mm -hmm. everybody. Um, it doesn't surprise me that Corey Day was tabbed to drive for Klaus Marshall, being the fact that he raced midget week for him two years ago. Yeah, and it ran pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's just gonna that's gonna help him more. And and to be partnered with Clausen Marshall and Brian Clausen, 
Bart's dad, Tim Clausen, I think is going to be great for him. I think he's going to learn a ton. And, yes. and he's going to a team that ain't just going to kick him to the curb if he struggles one night. Because the, no. the, there will be struggles, but I don't think absolutely. there will be very many. Very no, absolutely. Many yeah, I um, was talking to my buddy Kyle about that. Um, I've made mention of him before. Kyle, is he runs every weekend. He, he races against Corey Day almost on a weekly basis. And uh, he said the same thing. He's like, look, the guy, the kid's going to go out there and be incredible. He goes, he's also going to have some big mistakes because he's going to tracks he's never been to before. Right. Um, you know, there, I, you know, I don't care how talented you are. There's always going to be a little bit of a learning curve when you go to a new track. It's just a matter of how quickly can you pick up on it? Now, I think, once he gets settled in, I would not be at all surprised if he got a win in the high limit series um, in one of the remaining races. That, that's how much confidence I have in that kid. Uh, if you have, if you have not seen Corey Day race, go watch some YouTube clips of it because he is incredible. He is, he really is. Um, I made mention to this before. I know it's like heresy to compare him to Kyle Larson, but like we out here in California, and just so you guys know, uh, talking to you, PA, uh, we uh, we have some pretty damn good sprint car drivers that come from our state, and I haven't seen anything like this since Kyle Larson with Corey Day, and that's no joke. I, I really haven't. In terms of when you look at just raw car control, what he can do is his thought process behind the wheel, the way that he can literally make other drivers make mistakes. It's, it's incredibly impressive. And like I said, he's only like 16. So yeah, I'm, I can't wait to see it, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, they've got a race. What is it on the 25th? I think it's the 25th is the next high limit race. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, 25th at Grandview. Um, they've got a couple. They've got quite a few coming up. We've got the 25th at Grandview, August 1st at Kokomo, August 15th at Hussitz, which I'm really looking forward to the show at Hussitz. And then you've got Lernerville, Bridgeport, and then Lincoln Park. So, yeah, big opportunity for Corey Day. He's going to get six six races in that ride, and it'll be interesting to see if he can turn this into something even bigger moving forward. So. Yeah, uh, moving on in the dirt track recap. Also, we've got kicking off tonight uh, what me and Keith and many of our friends believe should be a national holiday is Indiana Sprint Week. Um, probably one of the funnest weeks in all of racing. I, I mean, it's one of my favorites. I I I look forward to it. I'm, I'm praying that we have good weather. I really am it seems lately man that we've just had nothing but freaking rain you know what i mean uh it's just everywhere like not i'm not talking just dirt racing but nascar it just seems like there's always some kind of damn rain or lightning or some something so yeah i'm looking forward to it we got gas city tonight kokomo tomorrow night uh then you've got lawrenceburg and Circle City, and then they've got one night off, and then we're going to be have uh, finishing up with Terre Haute, Lincoln, Bloomington, Tri-State. Um, and then they're off for like a month. 
the breaks that these guys get are crazy the way that they do this yeah so it's, yeah. it's so weird they do this and they take like a month and you know the midgets did the same thing where they get like a month off but then they'll be back and i believe that's is it kokomo smackdown when they come back keith yeah. Is yep. that what that is? Smackdown. And it's late August, I think, the 25th or something, 24th. So, so yeah. Keith, who who were you liking for Indiana Sprint Week? Um, Justin Grant. Um, he's been pretty strong. If not Justin Grant, man, I got to go with the underdog of all of the guys. I got to say, um, I, I just forgot his damn name. Now I'm going to botch it. Kyle Cummins is another one to keep your eye on. He's been really strong. Jake Swanson's another guy. I think, I think, uh, Jake, Jake Swanson's, Swanson's have... leading points right now, isn't he? Yeah. Hey, I think, I mean, yeah, he's leading point. Now he's, he's only three points above Emerson Maxim, but still, I mean, yeah, that's a, when you look at the fact that you, he's leading points and it's over Axum, Bacon, Grant, Cummins, Leary, Moles, Stockton, Persley, and Ballou, uh, that's kind of a, you know, who's who's list, a murderer's row, if you will, of uh, sprint car racing. So, yeah, hats off to that guy. He's having an incredible season. Yeah, he's kind of came out of, I'm not going to say nowhere, but kind of out of nowhere. Yes. Uh, he's He's been really strong. Him and Kyle Cummins both have had incredible season so far. Um, but man, I just keep going back to Justin Grant. I think this is where the former champion will flex his muscle and, and beat up on some of these guys. Yeah, he, uh, Justin Grant is, I would say hands down my, my favorite USAC driver um right now i i just i really like what i just think his i think his talent and skill really is above pretty much everybody else out there right now when you look at um well i should say this removing timez because timez is just my favorite he's like one of my favorite dirt guys period just because I like the dude, but I mean, just, I really, really like Justin Grant. I think when you look at what he can do in the non-wing, the, the, uh, the midget, hell, even silver crown, uh, his, his talent is just insane. And, uh, I like the fact that he's like old school, like, you know, setting up the car and making decisions and you know what I mean? Like, I, I like that. So yeah, I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Is Timez running any of Indiana Spring Week? I haven't heard. I think he's running all of it. All of it? Nice. That's good. He, he is going to be in the Landon Simon, or not Landon Simon, the Kyle Simon-owned 23 car that he won previously in, I think, at Waynesfield. So, and, and you could put him in a shoebox, and he'd make that damn thing fast. <laughs> Yes, you would, which is why why we love them. So, oh, absolutely. And if anybody, any of the listeners are confused on who Timez is, just look up Timez TV. He he's a he's an interesting character, but he's he's very smart when it comes to racing. He is, dude. He is. Um, he's got a really interesting story too, because he uh, the way that he came up was pretty incredible. I I. I've talked about it before, you know, when we were running the 
USAC Western States series out here. Um, you know, back then there was a whole lot more asphalt racing in the midgets, right, than there is now. Um, and I remember Timez kicking our ass, you know, at the asphalt tracks. You know, he uh, stocked in Madeira like these asphalt tracks. He would just whip us. And one of our drivers, I remember John saying, you know, like telling his dad, like jokingly, like, it's your fault I'm not as good as, as good on asphalt since I haven't been running it, you know, as long as, as Meserol has. And that was the thing, like Meserol had raced like, he had raced like late models and, you know, different cars, you know, on asphalt before he even got into the open wheel stuff. And obviously when he did, he just took off. But yeah, he, very interesting, cool dude from what I know of him. Obviously, he would not remember me. Um, that was so long ago. Um, so, so long ago. And, you know, I was just a, a wrench turner on, on a midget team. So no one of note, but yeah, he's uh he's a really, he's one of those guys that he's just good for racing. Like he's just good for racing. Like I would love to have a team as in NASCAR. Don't care where he finished. Just would love to have a team as in NASCAR. Right now. I don't want to take a, take the team as from, I don't want to take team as from dirt. I still need him on the dirt side, but if we could clone him, that would be a, that would be an incredible, incredible tool to have right now. Yeah, and, and he's an interesting character. He really is, and he always gives a great interview. Mm-hmm. His interviews are really great. They're freaking hilarious. Anytime, yeah. anytime yeah. he has a microphone in front of his mouth, pay yeah. attention to what he says because it's it's usually pretty funny. Um, and I think he's one of the most underappreciated midget sprint car race car driver in general. Um, and he's usually making slow cars look a lot better than what they really are. Yeah. The dude can drive all I mean, that's all there is to it. He's obviously an incredible talent. Um, and when you look at what he does in terms of success, you know, versus the competition, you know, there's, there's, uh, the USAC ranks, man, midgets and sprint cars are really stacked with with talent. I mean, they really are. When you start looking at the the drivers who are out there right now running, um, yeah, I, you know, and Timez is out there dicing it up with them every single night. So yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear he's running Indiana Sprint Week, and uh, that'll make me even more excited to watch the racing every single night. Oh, hundred percent. And 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 I, I want all the listeners. If you have Flow Racing, tune into the USAC Sprint Week races. They're are always really good. They're usually bangers. Um, I've been pleading our government to make this a national holiday so I can be <laughs> off work every day of it, which it they'll never be. do. Unfortunately, no, never. It'll never happen. They'll they'll see my letter and throw it away. Like who's this guy? Yeah. Uh, between that and, and midget week, I think both of them are really good weeks in in racing, and they have a lot of history behind them as far as how long it's been around, and and just a ton of history, really good racing, and they go to really good racetracks. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the tracks that they're going to are 
some of my favorite tracks. I mean, you look at, you know, Gas City, Lawrenceburg, Kokomo. I I just, yeah, it's it's going to be fun. It always is. So, And and I think the, the Lawrenceburg one stands out to me as far as what happened there at the beginning of the season when the race was canceled because of the unfortunate circumstance. I'm, I'm curious to see how drivers react to being there for the first time since that happened. Um, but uh, all in all, yeah. I think it's going to be a great week. Yep, I do too. I do too. So, all right. So that's going to do it for our dirt track recap. And before we wrap things up today, we're going to close it out with our goat of the week. So Keith, who was your goat of the week? I got to go with Papal Donnie shots. Um, he proved to everybody that he still has what it takes to win the big races when the when the big crown jewels on the line other than the million we'll leave that out that's separate um, but yeah i gotta go donnie shots and, and the 15 team on the outlaw tour uh obviously a good one he i mean incredible um run that he had in the king's royal and yeah it's just amazing uh to see him like like we talked about just old school ass whipping is what he put on everybody. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I'm going to head over to the NASCAR side of things. I'm going to go with Truex Jr. Uh, another dominant performance. And we talked about it before when Martin Truex Jr. wins, it's usually boring in terms of the battle for the lead because he's just dominant. And that's how he was this last week. He led like 250 out of 301 laps and looked like, you know, championship form uh, Martin Truex Jr. So I'm going to go with him. Two pretty easy picks to make, but hey, I mean, when you have the, the week that those guys had, uh, how could you not make them your goat of the week? So anyways, you guys, that's going to do it all for this week's show. We will be back next week, as always, with more racing news and action. So Keith, my man, enjoy your weekend. Absolutely. Uh, you you enjoy your weekend too. Try to yeah stay cool because I know yeah, that he I, uh, just has to suck. Yeah, it does. And uh, I I don't have a weekend. I'm not gonna have a weekend. Uh, I'm working literally the whole weekend. I do have tomorrow, which is Saturday, from like 4 p.m. till probably like 10 p.m. Um, it is my my wife's nephew's birthday they're doing a big party and stuff so i'll at least get to spend some time with the family at the party but other than that i'm pretty much working all weekend so yeah no no weekend for me but like i said say it all the time it's a good problem to have not complaining hey it's the good old-fashioned american dream that's right that's right that's right like i tell people all the time who who in it it drives me nuts because i get asked this by people because I, I own two businesses. They're both successful um, in terms of they feed my family and they pay our bills. And we're not rich. We're not wealthy, but we get by and we get by better than obviously if I was working, you know, some minimum wage job or whatever. But people think entrepreneur and they think this entrepreneur lifestyle, right? Because you have so many of these, so many of these clowns, these jackasses all over social media pushing this bullshit narrative i it makes me so mad because that's not the case it's not the truth if you think you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to be flying around in jets and all this bullshit it's so wrong and the people who push that are so full of shit they really are um they're just clowns all they do is sell 
this dream, this idea. They don't, they don't actually have any substance to it and people buy it because that's what people want, right? Who doesn't want to be on a private jet? Who doesn't want to be a millionaire? We all do. And unfortunately, it's just a lie. And the truth of the matter is, is 99% of entrepreneurs, what it means is that we will work 100 hours a week for ourselves before we will work 40 hours a week for somebody else. That's what it means. It means that it's pressure and you're up late at night from not knowing how you're going to make the payroll or pay your bills or do you have enough cuts? Like that's the truth of being an entrepreneur. Um, and I love it. I love it. I, I'm not complaining about it. I love it because I control my own destiny, right? If the economy crashes, it's up to me. It's I, I'm not hoping I don't get a pink slip, um, you know? So although I talk about how, how tired I am and exhausted and I'm not going to have a weekend and stuff like that at the end of the day, I love it. And, uh, I wouldn't, wouldn't trade it. I'm glad to be where I'm at. So yeah. This is just my place to rant and rave. That's what. That's all I use. This, this is my therapy session once a week, Keith. So. <laughs> hey, it's mine too. I there you go. It. There you go. So anyways, you guys, that'll do it. Thank you very much as always for joining us. Please download, like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, get the show out there. And if you do all that for us, we'll be back here next week to do it all over again. So for myself, Thomas Brandon, and my man, Keith Bradley, take care. <laughs>